All right, let's pray. Uh, kind of a big week, Reformation, and then uh, All Saints, so life's good. Let's pray. Lord God, who revives your church with the light of your Holy Spirit, and have saved those who have gone before us in the faith, bringing them to joy and beauty, we pray, too, that we always follow in this blessed light, and that we live by your pure teaching, with holiness in life and in conversation, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's great to see you. Uh, you know, feast day always goes a little bit longer. We were, you know, it's just nice that so many people show up. The music was great, so thanks to the musicians. It was always very, very nice, uh, the stuff that they select. Um, you know, as I told you, I'm trying to get hymns that you've suggested that would be good to, uh, for me, for us to sing, for me to select, for us to sing. So if you're, if you're missing a hymn uh, that you really, really like and we haven't done it, I'm all the way out to... I think uh, almost to Lent, right? Transfiguration. So, you know, but things can be juggled around. So if we owe you something, uh, let me know. Questions about anything? You, um, everything okay? If you put some money in the basket, we'll give it to Spain, to the, to the Spain. We're still trying to sort that out. Things are making a little progress. You know, my goal right now is to send Fred Gady over and maybe Val so Fred can get a little international experience. And because of his language, it would be great. We'll see what's happening. There's a lot of a lot of meetings going on, but things are going up in the right direction, so we're happy about that. Okay, uh, you should have number f the one that says number four in front of you. So uh, you sort of got the drill now. Jesus did everything in the Holy Spirit. You're Jesus' body here on earth. That means you do everything in the Holy Spirit. Uh, as John Kleinig reminded us, you can't possess the Spirit, but he gives himself to you. Again and again, he gives himself to you. So the glory of the day. You know, in the singing, in the word, in the Eucharist, in the memory of our baptism, in the baptism that was last night. And these things get, you know, magnified, acclaimed and magnified by the icon and the candles and, and you know, the altar and the beauty of the place. And frankly, you know, your voice is all together. It was quite, it's quite a remarkable place when it's as full as it was this morning. I mean, it's really quite amazing, uh, you know, the reverberation and, you know, things to come. Um, you know, sit tight. The windows, I think, you know, I think all the glass is now cut and fired. They're kind of beginning assembly. The frames are done. You know, how long will that be? I have no idea. The pipe organ, you know, January is the, is the date when it should start. So we've got a couple of big pieces that should still come. Um, so there's all these things that are still kind of moving forward, and they encourage us uh, in life. Another thing just to kind of observe about St. John, um, I've observed this in a couple of venues, but I'll, I'll, you know, I'll observe it to you here too, which is, there's so much love in the congregation. It's really interesting. Um, there were probably you know 20 or 25 people I didn't know who were in church this morning. When you see them, you know try to gather them and be kind to them. People come because they want what you have, okay? And there's this critical mass of people who love each other. I mean, there's there's sort of love just floating around every place. And people who are unloved and alone, you know, they sense that in you and they want the same thing. But, you know, if they come and kind of sit in your midst and, and then nobody speaks to them, they just feel like maybe they're outside. So when you see people you don't know, um, you know, say, hey, even if it turns out they've been here for, you know, 10 or 15 years, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have a new directory to blame it on. In another couple of weeks when you get your new directory, maybe you're culpable. But until then, you know, you are, uh, you know, you're fine. And a lot of you are new. So how would you know if you've been here a year or two and you don't know any, somebody, you know, so what? Uh, it's better that people, it's better that you talk to people and that they feel like they're in. So please, please kind of think about that. Um, there's, come, come on in, you can find a place, especially a man holding a baby should have some place to sit, for goodness sakes. There's, uh, the, Martha will help you, they'll find you a place, it's all good. Um, so anyway, it's just, it's just good. 
if you see people, you know, try to, you know, there's so many, so many people, we even had people back from the, who are from the Bible church um, visiting this morning who are always just a little bit stunned because they remember what it was and they see what it is now. And they're actually, I'm being honest with you, they're always very complimentary and very appreciative. Um, so, you know, the one thing they really wanted was that, that the space would be sacred. And, you know, we, we, you know, we held up our end of the bargain on that. So they, they come and they're always very, very gracious. It's very interesting to have them be here. And anyway, so it's very nice. So here's the thing. You know, I've said this to you a lot in the past. Um, you know, sometimes you pray and pray and pray and you beg for blessings. And then blessings are given, sometimes in large me measure. And then, you know, can you manage the, you know, Economia, the great, the the Greek word for that we take economy from, is really the the word for managing things. Can you manage the gifts that you've been given? And so, you know, part of what we're doing here is trying to recognize the gifts that we have, and then manage them. And now, see, as we're learning, for the good of other people. And so, last week, um, you know, a lot of what we talked about is how God gives you uh, gifts not for yourself, but for other people. The you is plural. The you all, don't you all know that you're the body of Christ? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Luther, and I'll get the exact quote for you, but, um, you know, Luther says something like, you know, we live, you know, we, we live um, in love in our neighbor. You know, we live, in our, we, we live in his life. We live for the good of our neighbor. And so, you know, life gets to be fun. I mean, I have to tell you, the, the most fun thing we're going to do in about the next six weeks is Christmas sharing. It's going to be a blast. Try to remember, bring food, and then bring clothing, and then bring, just bring stuff. It's going to be great, because we can live, you know, in Christ for the good of other people. It's fun. It should, it should be a joyful thing. I mean, shop for other people, buy gifts for other people. It's the greatest thing. It imitates what Christ has done for you. So, um, you know, I'm just sort of scooching down here. This is what we did last week. The Holy Spirit gives each Christian a gift, at least one gift. You've at least got one. You know, that's point number three. He loads you up. And then the Holy Spirit, and really interesting, this is point four and five. So, so here's what happened. Poor, good old Kovic, you know. The Holy Spirit comes to him and he gives him one, but in your cases, you know, dozens and dozens, okay? <laughs> so I mean, there's a lot going on in this young guy, okay? So, so the Holy Spirit gives him gifts, and then the Holy Spirit sort of arranges him and pushes him and pulls him and bumps him and nudges him and puts him in places and pulls him back from other places and scooches his life around. And the, that's what we mean where we say, you know, so the Lord can get the best use of you. So the Lord gives you a gift, then he rearranges your heart so that your gifts can be used, and then he rearranges your life so that, you know, you can put them, put them to use. And, you know, when everybody does that, that's the church. And when that happens, then the church is very attractive. And then people who are broken see the attractiveness and they come to the church. And so, you know, the great witness is not always with words, but with life. You know, you live happily, you live in love, you live in generosity. Because the Holy Spirit is inside you and prompting you along. Now, what I want to get to, and I said this a little bit um, in new members class, if you were in new members class, you know, I said this, and I've said this in the past. You know, a Christian can never really say, I'm all alone. Or a Christian can never really say, nobody loves me. You just, it's just, you can say it, but it's not true. It's never true for a Christian. Because when you're baptized, when the Lord splashes you, when he puts his name right on you, what that means is, is that he's with you. He's as close to you as your skin. Like, you're, you're, you can never get away from your skin. You know, you, it, Jesus is as close to you as your skin. You're never alone. And he always loves you. And this was the, you know, 
God's not a, a crabby old man. I mean, that, that's, our, you know, that's, such a, that's, such a, that's such a wrong default. If you think God is a cranky old man, think again. You know, God is the father in the prodigal son story. You screwed him in every way possible and told him to drop dead. And he still says, my boy, you know? I mean, so, so you're never alone. You're never unloved. He always loves you. He always, always loves you. He always sticks by you. He always loves you, always sticks by you. Okay. Now, in the same way, if you say, this is kind of the, now the next level, if you say, well, I don't really have anything to offer. That's actually not true. I mean, the text from last week says every one of you has something to offer. You have different things. Some of you have long patience. You know, some of you have, are very good at managing things. I used the example of Christmas sharing last week. That's very well managed. That thing runs like a top, you know. Some of you are just friendlies. You know, some of you can talk the bark off a tree. I mean, the church needs people like that, right? I mean, some, some of you can just, you can make friends with anybody. That's good. Because there are going to be people who don't have any friends who are going to come to church, and that's going to be a great interchange. You too. So you never say, I haven't got anything. And so I'm at point number five where he says, um, this verse, 1 Corinthians 2.12, now we've received not the spirit of the world, you know, we don't, we don't have demonic spirits or evil spirits or even just self-interested spirits. We don't have that. But the spirit which is from God, the Holy Spirit, that we might understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. Now that's a little bit, you know, that's a little bit processy. That's a little bit mind-oriented, right? But um, then keep going. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom. So that's good. I don't have to rely on you. You don't have to rely on me. Jesus himself is going to explain it to us. Taught by the Holy Spirit, so Jesus uses his spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who possess the spirit. And that's why you come to Bible study. Because the gifts are so phenomenal, they take some measure of interpretation. Or actually, the, the word there that means it's when you put things side by side, and then you can see where they're the same and where they're different. So you can compare one thing and another. So, you know, like the Dorans, you take the Dorans there. So he's got some gifts and she's got some gifts. They're not the same gifts. Okay? So he can make a four-foot putt with 50 bucks riding on it, no problem. You know, she, she got a little shaky when she's got the four-footer for the match, you know? Isn't that true? Yeah, so, so, yeah, okay, so, you know, but for you, it's no big deal. I mean, several people in here owe you money right now, right? I wish they'd pay up and you could tithe from it. It'd be great. So here's the thing, you know, everybody has different gifts. We sort of, we sort of put them side by side and we say, oh, that's a nice pair of gifts, you know? I mean, that's some stuff. So that's, that's he, he puts things side by side so that we can see them. Now, the most basic things... Um, so now turn the page. So the Holy Spirit is like this living, breathing, hovering owner's manual. You pay attention to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit explains to you. It's like, did you try to set the clock in your car this morning? Yeah, I know. I've already talked to some people who are just going to let it go six months because then it apparently it'll be back to where you want it. So, I mean, I know some of you are just going to be okay with that for six months. But, you know, I mean, can you... Yeah, okay, well, you know, but if you can, I mean, this is a little like, you're, you're, you know, if you reset your clock, you're going to be happier. Take it from me, okay? So, but the Holy Spirit is like, that's your gifts. He explains the gifts that you've been given, okay? And so this, we did chapter 12, now concerning the spiritual gifts, matters, things, ones. The, the text is a little, can be read in a couple of ways. I don't want you to be uninformed. So, you know, this is the life of always getting better, more informed. Not just so that you know things, but so you can do things. Listen, 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 we've got. And so then this pushes us all the way uh, down to 7 and 8. Now, 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bible open, we're going to go there. But 
earnestly desire the higher gifts or earnestly desire the more excellent way. Now, the question would be, why are these higher? Or why are these more excellent? Okay. What I, what I think we're going to find as we go is that because all the other, these are kind of the big categories, if we were making a flow chart, Holy Spirit gives faith, hope, and love. And then I'm thinking, you know, we'll see, but I'm thinking the other things are going to dribble down from there. We'll, we'll take a look. But at least for these today, try to remember how the Holy Spirit speaks in Scripture. These gifts are energy. So now I'm going to give you the punchline just so I don't forget it when we get to the end. So you can't, just in the same way when you're baptized, you can't say, I'm all alone. It's actually never true for me. I say it. When I say it, I'm, I'm ignoring the facts. If I, say that, if I say, I'm all alone, it's not true for me. I'm baptized. If you say, nobody loves me, I mean, you hear this. People say, no, no one loves me. Well, it's actually, it's actually not true. I mean, that doesn't always help you, but at least it gets you started. Because Christ is always there to love you. Now, just turn it this way. Test this thesis going forward. If you say, you know, there's just no way I can, I just, there's just no way I can love her. It's actually not true. If you're a Christian, that's actually not true. If you say, I just can't love my enemies, it's actually not true. You may feel that way. You may even think that. The point of what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks is to destroy that in you. Because the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to love. It's a power. Now, it might be latent. You know, it might be unused. You know, it may be covered up with a pile of leaves and you haven't raked lately. You know, it could be, you know, it could be, you know, a little rusty because you haven't gotten it out, you know, run it around for a while. I'm going to say the same thing about hope. You know, people say sometimes, I'm, I'm, I'm so depressed, this future is so bleak. We have to take that seriously. People actually have that sense. For a range of reasons, we can despair. Not the least of which is that Satan talks in your ear to try to get you to despair. You're nothing. You're nobody. There's nobody who loves you. You can do no good thing. And really, God is a cranky old man, and he hates you because you just don't do very well. I mean, Satan is the great accuser, right? I mean, he accuses you before God. He accuses you and says, you know, you're not. And so that brings you into great despair. You despair of yourself, okay? I mean, you become hopeless. Here's the thing. It's not true. It's not true because in you, hope is an energy. Now, if you're thinking back, we did this for a whole year. You remember the year that we talked about anger? And you remember when we said, um, you can live in anger and you can demand justice. But if you do, justice always comes for everybody. In the end, everybody will die. Everybody will be destroyed, including you. So if you beg justice... You'll, you'll, you'll be destroyed right along with everybody else. But th- then the option was, remember the option? If you're a very, very angry person, if you're angry about injustice, if you're angry, the option is to what? To say your prayers, well said, and remember the text. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Or in a softer version of that, because, you know, to pray vengeance on somebody else is really kind of a loser's game. I, you know, you... You and I aren't smart enough to ask that the Lord would... Very rarely can we get that right, that people need to be punished. The way that you move to hope is to say, Jesus will sort that out. Okay? So in the same way, if you say, 
I'm, I'm completely hopeless. I'm, I'm, I, I myself am hopeless. As a person, I am hopeless. Or I myself am in deep despair. You know, the, the way out, I'm going to give you the simple stuff first, then we'll look at the text. The way out when you're in deep despair is to say, Jesus loves me and Jesus will sort it out for me. Now, this seems so simple, but I just tell you the, the primary sin is not to be able to talk about Jesus. Everybody talks about, I'm hopeless, I despair, I don't know, I can't see the way, I'm so angry, I, 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 blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's the thing. Talk about Jesus. That's what the text is doing. The text says Jesus gives you his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit brings to you the power to be hopeful. It's a power. It's an energy. That's the word that's used. You know, so the Holy Spirit is this burgeoning, pulsing power inside you, wants to teach you to hope, wants you to be hopeful. Why? Because, Romans 8, if he gave us his only son, won't he give us everything else? Yeah, of course he will. If he went to the cross for you, won't he sort everything else out? Yes, he will. You know, if you died your death already in baptism and the rest of your life is a free pass, someday you'll end up with all saints in glory, just like we talked about today. Then you can live hopefully. So already you can live... You can't say, I just can't love somebody else. You can say it, it's just not true. Because the Holy Spirit is in there saying, love you. You can say, I'm in despair, I'm hopeless. You can say it if you want, but it's just not true. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in you saying, Christ will sort it out for you. Your Heavenly Father loves you. He's for you and not against you. And in the same way, faith. And so, you know, there's this old thing where, and pastors bump into this every once in a while, you know, one in 20 times you'll go to somebody who's dying and they'll say, you know, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I believe. I don't, I just don't, I just don't know. I just, and of course, what's the answer? You be me. My favorite game, you be me. Because this is, this is happens. This is going to happen to you and there's pastors not, when people say to you, I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't know if I'm good. I don't know if I believe. I don't know. I don't know if I can, after all I've been through, I just don't know if I, I just don't know. I, I'm probably not a Christian anymore. What do you say to them? Right, good. Now, Jesus is there for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus baptized you. Jesus cared for you. Good. Push it to the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit's job? To create faith. Okay. And if people are worried that they don't have faith, it's a proof that they still have it. Right? If people say to you, I, I don't know if I believe, or I, 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 it bothers me so that I don't believe, or I wish I was stronger, or I, don't, I just don't. All of that is, that's just the normal fist fight of sin and grace working in a person. People who don't believe don't care, okay? So here's the thing, even in our deepest struggles, it's actually, it's actually not true. I mean, you can say it, you can say it, but it's just not true. When you say, you know, I just can't believe, I mean, my smart-alecky answer, which is, always has a grain of truth, like heresy, is, um, hey, I don't actually care if you believe in Jesus. Jesus believes in you. Now, here's the thing, that's actually true. Jesus believed in you before you believed in Jesus, right? Now, like anything else, you press that too hard and it's going to fly, you know, it's going to fly off the handle. But it doesn't matter in some ways. You just, you just hear this in the right way, especially if you're screening for heresy purposes at home. All right, so here's the thing. It doesn't matter so much. The first thing is not whether you believe in Jesus. The first thing is that Jesus believes in you. Jesus believes in you. He thinks you're worth dying for, for goodness sakes. You know? 
So the primary question isn't whether you believe in Jesus. The primary question is whether Jesus believes in you. Now the other question is right behind it, and faith is confessing the gifts. But somehow, I'm talking about pastoral care here, how you get through to people who are in despair, especially about their faith. It's not true. The Holy Spirit is there saying, Jesus loves you, bearing witness to the Son, Jesus died for you, telling you it's all going to be okay. He died for your worst sins, telling you that you're still included. You're still among the saints. Okay? So it's just not true for you to go through life and say, I can't love my enemy. I can't believe in Jesus. My life is hopeless. All those things are not true. But they're very common reactions because of the things that we go through as human beings. Frankly, because life is very, very hard often. And frankly, we're predisposed to being interested in ourselves. Karen Crawford, we haven't heard from you for a while. It's great to see you back, and everybody loves you. I should just let you know that. Well, when I ask this question, you're probably going to ask, because I think I'm taking you somewhere you don't want to go. Oh, Karen, that wouldn't be the first time that's happened between us. Well, I'm happy to say, so did you hear the question? Um, despair is, you know, been always, great despair is one of the seven deadly sins, so it's recognized as a serious business whether you take the seven deadly sins or not as your own. Um, and then always we, um, it used to be that the church wouldn't allow a suicide, a victim of suicide to be buried from the church. You were buried from usually a nursing home or maybe in a private ceremony and not buried in the churchyard. And um, I have to say, one of the most helpful things in my generation has been that they, in the Blue Hymnal, so this is 1978, restored a prayer for people who died from suicide. So that was a huge watershed. And it gave pastors a ton of wiggle room because if it's not in the book, you are really out there on your own. Okay? So a couple of things about that. One is, I read, the, I read the story of a suicide of a young priest this week, just in my kind of general reading, and people's despair over that and, and how hard it is to understand what happens. He was a newly ordained young guy, and he kind of shocked his diocese by, by committing suicide very quickly after being ordained. So that's, you know, there's a great mystery in what happened there. But I do have, you know, up in my office, tucked away for, you know, such times, a letter that Luther wrote to a woman whose son had committed suicide where he says, um, I'll paraphrase for you, relax. Um, your son didn't kill himself. It was the devil who killed him. And the devil got hold of his hand and um, had him stab himself. Uh, and the devil does stuff like that to us. But um, the child was baptized, and he's your child, and we're the church. So you should live in hope. So I'm kind of giving you a, a broad paraphrase. Um, so I'm a couple of baseline things which you've heard me say before, but maybe you know saying them again. That they'll they'll you'll take them as your own, and when you come to this, you know, uh, you'll have something to say. One is I can't read hearts, right? And you can't read them either. So my presupposition with people is I can't read their hearts. So I actually don't know what happened with people. Two is. Um, 
baptism and Eucharist go a long, long way towards cementing people in the church. It's very, very difficult. You know, I've said this to you before, the Lord fishes with a barbed hook. I mean, in baptism, it's very difficult to shake the Lord. You, you have to work. I mean, if baptism is really a tattoo, if it's really a barbed hook, it's really hard to shake. It's hard, it's hard to shake that. And if you talk about the person, you know, you don't get very far. But if you talk about Jesus, you know, he's pretty reliable. And, the bar, and I've said this to you, the bar to be saved is very, very low. I mean, if you're just talking about straight salvation, who's in, who's out, the bar is very, very low. It's very low. Jesus is Lord. That's all it takes. You're saved. You know, no matter what you've done, your dying breath, Jesus is Lord, you're saved. Because the scriptures say nobody can say that without the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, partly then, now I'm going to kind of finish up your question. What happens when you have public pronouncements like a suicide can't be buried in the church graveyard or a suicide can't be... Uh, can't, 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 can't be drawn into the sanctuary, or there's no prayer in the book for suicides. You really, you really tie your pastor's hands. And what happens then is you get sort of a lore that builds up, which is much more strident than the church wants to be. It's easy. I mean, if you just have rules, you always know what to do. I mean, anybody can apply rules. That's not a big deal. If A, then B. Okay, that's not a big deal. But what happens then is you don't get very much pastoral care, nor do you get comfort. And it does presume then, it does presume then uh, that we can read a lot more about people's hearts than we, than we really can. Um, I think I've told you before in the Australian ordination vows, they have a great line that we don't have, which we, would be good in practice in so many ways. The Australians, when they, when they go face down to be ordained, and, and one of the lines they say, and will you despair of no man? That is a great line. And will you despair of no man? That means a pastor can never despair of anybody, but of course it's true for you too. You know, will you, it means you can never stop going after people. You can never stop hoping. Which is the antidote to all you're asking about, I think. Which I think is in this text. So it's a very, very fine question. Thank you. Yes, please. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Right. You know, judging people is overrated. <laughs> Just in general, you know. The, the problem is, and it's true for pastors coming out of seminary, and it's true for people too, you know, when we're concerned about right and wrong, that very simply, that very easily goes to us to make judgments. This is right, this is wrong. Part of the problem with that, and this is why pastoral care is so important, this is why wise elders are so important, this is why a, an educated congregation is so important. So one of the first things I ever said to you is, you teach your way out of problems. Here's the thing. You care for what's right, you care for what's wrong. But every person here is a bundle of right and wrong. This is baseline Lutheran stuff, simul justus et peccator. Always sinner and always saint, at the, most, at the bottom line, right? So the thing is, is you and I are always this fist fight. We're always this jumble. 
you're remarkably wonderful in some ways. I don't, geez, I don't know if your husband has told you yet this morning, but you're horrible in other ways. <laughs> you might want to hold that till, I don't know, <laughs> after dinner or something, you know, find it, say it softly with a lilt in your voice, okay? So the thing is, is, you know, and the bundle shifts, you know, someday you wake up, and we've talked about this, all these things we've talked about, which is, you know, you can see your own spiritual life, and your spiritual life kind of goes like this, and I've encouraged you, you know, over the past couple of years and in different places to try to tend your spiritual life, see when you're on the uptick and the downtick. Well, the problem is you and I kind of go like this, you know, but people who really struggle with these sorts of things, their ticks are like this, you know. And that, you know, so what, are they bad people? Are they unsaved? We don't love them anymore. They have to go out. Pick all the things the church has said. They die and we won't bury them. Come on, really? I mean, really, really, is that us? So, so here's the thing. It's really important. The text says you put things side by side and you compare them, right? The spiritual gifts, but also that will tell you what's not spiritual. So in some ways it'll tell you what's good and what's not good. But sort of with gentle care. You're the body of Christ. Elbows and big toes and little fingers and eyeballs. Everybody's different. And you know what? If you're an eyeball, you know, you just have trouble understanding big toes. It's just the way life is. Right? Try to be empathetic to a big toe if you see one. Okay? That's all that the text says. All right? That's how we move through life. We're just, let's just, you know, why don't we just take, as Lutherans, a hundred years off judging other people? Because we've had a couple hundred years where we've been pretty harsh on the... You know, so we just, we practice the other side and we're really good at it, by the way. So maybe we should, you know, uh, you know, we're really good picking up fumbles, but maybe the tip drill, we run the tip drill for a little while now, okay? Would that be okay? Because we need to get good at that, Northwestern fans. Okay, so, <laughs> sorry. That was a cheap shot, wasn't it? I should have done it. You know, see the thing? It's right in me there, isn't it? Slap the ball down. We know the ball goes down. Yes. One of the things I've learned to appreciate is that as part of our becoming a member and baptism is that we have a line, do you renounce the devil in all his ways? Right. And the temptation for quick judgment, wouldn't that be a tool of the devil? I think it would. The, you know, the, 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 you, you know this, the, um, the ancient Aramaic name for the devil is the guy who worked for the postal service in Babylon who used to try to bribe people. That's true. That's where the name comes from. The ancient name was, was for the guy who used to offer bribes to people to try to trick them into things, to try to compromise them. You know, my, the great Gorbachev story where he, he's running for office against another guy and he takes the guy for dinner and he gets him drunk and then the next day he stands up in the assembly and he denounces the guy as an alcoholic. You know, that's what, I mean, that is like, that's pure satanic, you know. You know, that's, that's the way it works. We, yeah, so I just want to urge you off that toward, you know, faith, hope, and love. So here's the thing. What I want you to do, having, having read, the, and we should read a little of the text, is having read this, I want you to see the possibility. Not the possibility because you're optimistic. The possibility because the Holy Spirit is in you like this little hopeful nuclear reactor, <laughs> bubbling all the time, ready to go, spill out all over the place. It really was, it is within your power to, and this is, take this, I don't mean this, I don't mean this as analogy, I mean this is the truest thing. It really with, is within your power to love other people. It really is within your power to be hopeful. Less and more, according to your personality, according to your challenges, according to the gifts given. But as a Christian, it really is, the Holy Spirit is active inside you. So just take a look at this. I mean, your, your Bible's open to 1 Corinthians 12. So, and I'm on point number 10, and I'm at 1 Corinthians the end of chapter 12, right? So, 
Verse 31. Now we're going to set the gifts side by side. And we're going to start with the most excellent gifts. Point 10. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. I'll show you a more excellent way. So there's the two words. Higher, best, greater, most useful. This is very good. Most useful, most serviceable. You see that? This isn't just sort of theoretical better gift. What's the gift that's most useful? Love. What's the gift that's most serviceable in a community? Hope. You know, what's the highest thing you can possibly do for people? You know, love them, hope them, teach them the faith, right? I'll show you the, and this is the word there, while it looks kind of screwy to you, um, the word is, um, the word for us where we get um, hyperbola, right? Hyperbole, hyperbole is hyperbola, that's where we get, so the more excellent, the throwing beyond, the preeminent, the, the gift that goes the farthest. What you should desire is the gifts that go the farthest. These are the gifts that do the most good. These are the gifts that are most serviceable. These are the gifts that go the farthest. These are the things that do the church the most good. This is what does the body of Christ most good, faith, hope, and love. That's why they're preeminent. Okay? And then I give you at the bottom of 10 the existential order. That just means the practical order. We always think faith, hope, and love, but the real order is love, faith, hope, and love. And I would argue to you that's the reason why love is the greatest gift, because it's the thing that starts everything and finishes everything. This is very simple. You know this if you think about it. But it's very practical when you work with other people. If you go to another person and say, you should believe in Jesus Christ, they're like, move on. If you go to another person and say, I love you, even when they're horrible, that's attractive. Why would you love me? I'm horrible. Right? Well, I love you because, you know, I believe in Jesus. I've been given gifts in baptism. I've been to the Eucharist. So the practical thing, I mean, this is just practical evangelism, practical being nice to people, practical getting people to the church. You don't start with faith, you start with love. The prodigal son. It starts with love. right? The story starts with love. His father loves him, gives him everything he's got. Then he says to his father, drop dead, and I'm taking everything you've got. And his father still loves him, and he gives it to him. And then he comes home a complete wreck, and his father takes him back in because he still loves him. Like he doesn't have him recite anything from the catechism. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't say, well, you know, you, you, I, you still hope you're going to be my son and run the show someday because you know you have an older brother. And he told me to drop dead, and that was really painful for me, by the way. No, the, the thing is, the, the order is love, faith, hope, love. That's the reason it works this way. That's why it's the greatest gift. So if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, lower level gifts, but have not love, I'm a noisy glong or a clanging symbol. This is 1 Corinthians 13. You recognize this from every wedding you've ever been to, right? <clears throat> and if I have prophetic power, so there's another one. We're starting to number them. Understand all mysteries. There's another one. And have all knowledge. And if I have all faith, so this is kind of interesting. Even faith looks to be a notch down from love. If I have all faith, uh, the dead orthodox, pay attention, you know. It's not always as, well, you know, being right is important. It's not the most important thing. I mean, it's important to be right, but it's not the most attractive thing always. If I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm, and these are very harsh, not harsh words. These are very full words. These are very like no wiggle room. I'm nothing, right? If I give away everything I have, so there's the gift of generosity. 
and I give up my body to be burned, the gift of martyrdom, right? But have not love, I gain nothing. Now, it's All Saints Day. One of the things we prayed about, and we read from our confessions in the margin comments, is how much we value the saints. So this would tell you something like, no love means you're not a saintly role model. It's okay. I mean, it's important to understand. It's important to be right. It's important to do. It's important to, to know good. But the important is, you know, actually living the life of the Holy Spirit, living the life of Christ, living in love, and doing good out of that love. This is what the text says. Love, and then later. Now, here's a little. If you want a little extra credit, we're going to do this probably two months from now. One of the interesting things will be when we talked about how there are several lists of what the Holy Spirit does. The fruits of the Spirit are these, love, peace, kindness, self-control, patience, right? You get them in Ephesians, you get them in Galatians. What'll be interesting is to see how they fall out because the lists are a mess. They overlap. Why are they a mess? I think it's because they're usually giving pastoral care at the time when he lists them. So if he goes to a congregation that's really unloving or really disrespectful, if he goes to a, if he goes to a congregation that's really unloving, he'll talk to them about being more loving. If he goes to a congregation like the Corinthians, really disrespectful, He'll say, you know, hey, I was the guy who sort of put you into this. You know, pay attention. So that's the reason they overlap because you need, it's basically pastoral care. It's a, it's a, he's writing up a prescription. So what we want to do as we go is kind of look at all these things. But the way to think about it is, I think, Holy Spirit and then faith, hope, and love and then all these other things that flow down. So love is patient and kind, not jealous or boastful, not arrogant or rude. That pretty much eliminates all our behavior and everybody we know, right? <clears throat> Love doesn't insist on its own way, okay? It's not irritable, resentful. I did note that love was supposed to be the mark of the church, right? And of you, oh my goodness, look at us. It doesn't rejoice at the wrong, so schadenfreude is out, uh, but rejoices in the right. Love bears all, I mean, this is a very pregnant line. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's remarkable stuff. It never ends, which means in heaven, you know, we've described heaven in different ways, full of warmth, full of beauty. Another way to describe it is full of love. But what does love look like? Love never ends. Prophecies will pass away. Tongues, they will cease. Knowledge will pass away. Here's the thing. In heaven, everybody knows everything. Now, the thing, or has the opportunity to. So it's just one long Rejoicing in more good things to come. Okay, knowledge is imperfect. Our prophecy imperfect. When the perfect comes, Christ, the Eucharist, heaven, the imperfect passes away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. I thought like a child. Remember now, the whole point of being a Christian is to grow up, milk to meat, become more mature. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So, grow up. Now we've seen a mere dimly, so the church is always a dim reflection, but we do our best. Then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I'll understand fully. Well, when I understand fully, there's not more to learn, but there is more to love. Even as I have been fully understood, faith, hope, love abide, these three, but the greatest is love. If you have to take your choice, I'd take it. Yeah, I see that. Is it six till? Yeah, we'll just go at 11.30 or quarter to 12. It's going to be okay. <laughs> People will understand. Got to go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.